Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The Celtics are the team to beat in the East right now. Tennessee finished off the upset of Alabama, but will the real Vols stand up? And the Vets enter this season with a stacked roster and high hopes. I'm Kainani Stevens, in for Peter Bukowski. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We've finished up with the first half of the NBA season, so we're going to check in the best in the East right now. John Corrales from Locked On Celtics had a, a real tough win over the Pistons. They really had to grind that one out, but um, somehow they managed. Um, and now they've kind of they're going into the All Star break in a really great position. Um, how impressed have you been with this team to be able to go to the finals last year and then really not lose a beat with a lot of stuff going off in the off season and to kind of still be where they're at right now? Yeah, it is impressive. Uh, in, in in fact, the way the season has progressed, where they are now, also impressive, the journey that they took. So you start out with, obviously, you're referencing the Ime Udoka stuff. thought that really galvanized the team. The timing of that, people said it was bad. Now, in retrospect, I think it was good because mm-hmm. that, at the, at the time, was right before training camp, and it forced everybody to focus. Mm-hmm. And coming back off of that finals you know, very easy for a team to say, ah, we know what it takes. It's going to, it's going to be a long haul. We're going to, we're going to ease our way into the season. And they had to focus right away. So they got off to that amazing start. Then after a December lull that started with that Warriors game, they've started to figure out, okay, now we needed to win other ways. They, they were winning before by hitting tons and tons of three pointers. Then they started to win games when they were shooting 28, 29, 30% from three. Now they're starting to put it all together. And the recent bout of injuries has allowed Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, Sam Hauser, the role players, to get a lot of confidence with a lot of playing time. In this Pistons game, you start to see it all kind of come together. Jason Tatum, there was still no Jalen Brown, still no Robert Williams, but Tatum returned, Smart returned. And you saw just for the first half, especially, what it could look like when Jason Tatum sits and everyone starts to contribute and it just felt like one continuous, like perpetual motion machine. That was just a little glimpse of, Oh, if this can be the Celtics moving forward, then everything they've gone through coming up to this point will be very well worth it. You mentioned the bench because you have to have a good bench if you're going to win a championship. And that might have been something they were missing last season. But you talk about a game when they're taking on the Bucks yesterday. They ended up losing in overtime, but they didn't have anybody, right? Jalen yeah. Brown didn't play. Jason Tatum didn't play. Mark Smart didn't play. And they pushed that team to overtime, another great team in the East. So what does that say about this bench? Obviously, you're talking about some of the playing, just getting the playing time out there. But who's someone you're really looking to when it comes postseason that's going to be a big role player for them? Well, I mean, Grant Williams is is a guy that they're going to rely on to play a big role, just looking at how he defended Giannis. He's going to be coming in off the bench. Derek White uh, is going to be moving to the bench. He started a lot of games this, this year, but um, when they're fully healthy, I think he'll be coming off the bench, and he's the player of the week. So what a luxury to have the player of the week, and you're like, you know what? You're going to be our seventh man because Malcolm Brogdon is going to be your sixth man. So, yeah, uh, an embarrassment of riches for the Celtics. All of those guys are going to be making contributions, not to mention the guy they just traded for, Mike Muscala, who gives Mm -hmm. them an opportunity to play a little bit differently. If they want to go 
big against a team like Cleveland or Milwaukee with big size, good defenders. You want to throw two big shooters out there and spread the floor? They can do that now. They can go small with Grant Williams at the five. So they really do have a lot of options. So, and then, oh, I haven't mentioned Sam Hauser, who happens to just be shooting 42% from three now. So they, they can go nine deep without a problem. It's the first time in a while they've had that kind of versatility, which is, can only benefit them because there's so many different kind of matchups, I feel like, especially when it comes postseason time, that could slow them up. Which one do you feel like it could be the toughest for them if they meet them in, in the East before they get to the finals? Well, I mean, it's got to be Milwaukee. I mean, that yeah. that's the obvious one. Uh, that that's going to be tough because of when they're when they're fully whole and and they you know they didn't have Bobby Portis, but they didn't have Jay Crowder. Those are two important guys for them, and mm-hmm. especially Crowder because the the Celtics will will hunt mismatches. And Crowder, no matter what he has left, he's still yeah. big and he's still tough, and you you still have to work to get your points against him. So it's not exactly like you're hunting Grayson Allen on the mismatch. So that that's going to be tough. I, I think the East is just going to be tough in general. But if the Celtics can get that, stay in that top seed and get potentially an easy first round matchup and hope that something weird doesn't happen where a good team falls to, to eighth or Toronto doesn't figure it out and make that a tough first round series. Uh, I think they can they can kind of save themselves until that that Milwaukee Bucks matchup. Stay up to date all year on the Boston Celtics by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Celtics on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports Today your first listen. Coming up, the Vols pulled off a big upset, but what's next for this inconsistent team? Before we answer that, there is a report that should have Raven fans probably really concerned. We'll explain. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time for you to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. So just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Tonight, the Phoenix Suns are hosting the LA Clippers. FanDuel has the Suns favored by a point and a half at home. You can check out that line and more. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Baltimore Ravens did not provide full assurances that Lamar Jackson would return as the team's quarterback in 2023 while they were conducting offensive coordinator interviews. That's according to a report by The Score. Baltimore wants Jackson to return, but the organization is currently unsure how the situation with its star quarterback will unfold in the coming weeks. Jackson is expected to receive the franchise tag this offseason. The two sides continue to work towards a long-term deal, but so far have not been successful. Could that potentially open the door for teams around the league to tempt the Ravens with trade offers? Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiver Calvin Ridley has applied to the NFL to be reinstated from his indefinite suspension for gambling. ESPN reporting that on Wednesday. Wednesday was the first day that Ridley was eligible to apply for reinstatement. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell will review Ridley's petition and make the determination whether to allow the former first-round pick back on the field. 
Jaguars traded for Ridley on November 1st, sending the Atlanta Falcons a 2023 fifth round pick and a conditional fourth round pick in 2024 that could rise as high as a second round pick if the Jaguars sign Ridley to an extension. Ridley hasn't played in an NFL game since October 24th, 2021. The Miami Heat probably thought the Brooklyn Nets would go quietly on Wednesday night, but they did not, and the Heat paid for it with a loss. Duncan Robinson's return wasn't enough to jolt the Heat's three-point shooting to life, and the Heat were outscored by 27 from three-point range in Wednesday's loss to the Nets. I'm Wes Goldberg of Locked on Heat. The Heat lost again when making single-digit threes. They have 14 such games this season, and they've lost eight of them, including this 116-105 loss in Brooklyn. The Heat went just 8 of 28 from three-point range, despite Duncan Robinson playing his first game in more than a month. Meanwhile, the Nets shot 17 of 39, outscoring the Heat by 27 from distance. It's just hard to win basketball games like that in 2023. Still, the Heat were hanging around before Mikal Bridges, who came over from Phoenix in the Kevin Durant deal, scored 13 straight points in the fourth quarter to break things open for the Nets. He ended up with a career-high 45. Of the Heat players, only Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, and Duncan Robinson made multiple threes. Five of Miami's nine rotation players did not take a three at all. I'll repeat that. It's just hard to win basketball games like that in 2023. This is just a flawed roster for the Heat, and who, look, they were again without Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, and Victor Oladipo, but what was last season's best three-point shooting team now ranks among the NBA's worst three-point shooting teams. And with just 23 games left after the All-Star break, there's not much time to turn things around. The Chicago Bulls jumped out to a 39-15 lead over the Indiana Pacers after the first quarter and still found a way to lose. The Chicago Bulls have lost five games in a row after taking a L to the Indiana Pacers in a game in which they lead by 20 Four. There was a lot of positives in this game. A lot of things that we could have pointed to if the Bulls end up winning this game that you would say, hey, a Bulls team with uh, uh, without DeMar DeRozan, without DJJ, came out and won this game. I love what we saw from the young players in this game. Kobe White, uh, uh, Patrick Williams, Daylon Terry did some good things, right? Zach Levine came out and had an excellent game. But at the end of the game, if, that the Bulls come out and lose in a fashion of just like Indiana started playing tough defense and the Chicago Bulls did not, which has been how the, the Chicago Bulls have lost many a game this season, right? When teams play tougher, we see the Bulls losing their fifth game in a row. Here is another story you need to know. Tennessee pulling off the big upset of number one Alabama. No, we are not talking about football. We are talking about men's basketball this time. Had to check in with Locked On Vols. Eric, that was a quite a game for them tonight for the Vols to pull off that win. Yeah, big time response. I mean, credit uh, credit Rick Barnes, credit that team for bouncing back. It's, it's been a really rough two-week stretch. You know, they got up to number two in the country. They had that huge win over Texas. It feels like so long ago, just about two and a half weeks ago, honestly. And since then, had an embarrassing loss at Florida, barely got by Auburn in a game that set the the sport of basketball back by about five years. And then you lost on back-to-back buzzer beaters to Vanderbilt and Missouri. And so just not a very good place this team has been. But coming back home without two starters and getting the contributions like you got from Jonas Dew tonight and Zakai Ziegler, a phenomenal performance by Tennessee, a good win. And again, this is not surprising. This team is a very good basketball team. It's just the consistency hasn't always been there, but uh, it was there tonight and knocked off number one. 
this is this is the team they are. They can do this, but they also are a team that loses to some some pretty bad teams as well. Yeah, um, it's a team that's going to play great defense every single night, and typically that defense is going to give you a chance to win every single game. Now, the last two games, uh, the, the losses before this one with uh, Vanderbilt and Missouri, the defense went great, which is kind of surprising. But it's the offense that go through these lulls and everything, and if you're not shooting the three ball well or you're turning it over, uh, Tennessee just can never find consistency on that side of the ball. Uh, but uh, again, like they they had this win. They they've taken down Texas before. They've beaten Kansas already this year. They played really well at Arizona in a in a short loss. So this team is very capable, in my opinion, of beating anybody in the country. It's just a matter of are they going to turn the basketball over? Are they going to make commit stupid fouls? Or are they going to play lockdown defense and kind of grind it out? And that's kind of the way this game was. I mean, give Alabama credit and. If, if not for their star player, you know, fouling out, who knows? But, you know, Tennessee did a good job of matching that intensity and rising to the occasion. Now, again, the challenge is going to be to, you know, stay on this mountaintop and not have another shortcoming is the, this brutal stretch for Tennessee in the SEC. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's Alabama tonight and Kentucky on Saturday. Then you have Texas A&M, Arkansas, and Auburn still left on the schedule. So they kind of kind of have to find that middle ground, but uh, for sure capable of beating anybody in the country. Would you say that they're kind of streaky, like when they do have it together, it, it's a couple games, or do you feel like it's really like a coin toss any night, what kind of, which way they're going to go with it? Um, When they have it together, you're getting contributions from the front court, and, and Tennessee, I know I, keep, I continue to say inconsistent, you know, so yeah, far no. uh, this season, but the front court, when, when Tennessee is playing consistently, the front court is giving them something. You know, tonight, Eros Plavsic was able to chime in with 10 points and, you know, four rebounds. It's a really good game for him. Uh, Olivier Comwa, who is might be the most athletic and, and gifted player on the court at times, he'll he'll blow up for twenty seven points against Texas and then you know score four points or you know score nine points and get denied or you know score three points. And so, whenever they're getting consistent offensive play from the front court, it allows some pressure to be taken off of guys like Ziegler and Vescovy and Josiah Jordan James. It just kind of opens up everything a little bit more. But uh, when Tennessee is struggling. You know, no one is folding over to try to double team a, a guy in the block. It's just not happening. So streaky would be a good way to kind of describe it. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, Tennessee was able to get contributions from some of those big men. Again, you know, it's not against uh, Alabama. You know, Jonas Adu was fantastic. He, he's a young guy continuing to learn. This might be his first double double of his career. If if it's mm-hmm. not his first, it's probably his second or third. It's not many. Uh, getting guys like Toby Awaka a lot of minutes. Um, growing up in a hurry, big time and. They're a big reason why Tennessee was able to pull off this upset tonight. I say upset. I think, you know, look at FanDuel. I think Tennessee was favored by two, but it it certainly felt like an upset where Tennessee was entering this game. And and you mentioned a little bit just about without two of their starters. When when they can win a game like this with some of the younger players, that's got to be some experience that's going to help them come March. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, March is so disorganized at times, right? It really is. It's all about who has the hot hand. It's about individual mm-hmm. matchups. It's about where you're, you know, your place on the seed line. I mean, it's why, in my opinion, it is so difficult to, you know, advance on. You know, getting to a Sweet 16, now that's an accomplishment. I mean, it really is. You go further than that, I mean, that that's that's really, really good. And so it's a tremendously hard sport to win at the end of March. Um, and so getting all these guys, these young contributions, learning these lessons throughout this run, and then, of course, through the highs. I like tonight against Alabama. It's just going to help Tennessee moving forward. 
Stay up to date all year on Tennessee Volunteers Athletics by following Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Balls on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts from. Coming up, as spring training begins, the New Look Mets are ready to take that next step. It is February. That means spring training is upon us. So we are ready to talk baseball once again. Ryan Finkelstein here from Locked On Mets because why not? Pitchers and catchers are there. We should talk about things. Um, obviously, the Mets, they always make big moves in the offseason. It seems like recently. So what are some of the biggest things you're looking forward to um, this year out of the Mets? I'll tell you, pitchers and catchers report, but it seems like all the Mets stars are already in camp. We saw today Pete Alonzo, Francisco Lindor, Justin Verlander at Mets camp. Mm -hmm. So a lot of star power at this team, which is really exciting. And look, they have uh, you know tough, tough uh, 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 like season to follow here. You gotta you gotta go back and, and come off a 101 win campaign. But I think Steve Cohen spent the money to have a team that's at least up to that level. And uh, there's some new players here that you hope. The combination might work out better if they get back into October. So when you're looking at a, a, a team like this, it's had some of that turnover. You know, you're looking at the pitching staff this year. Verlander's a great addition, of course. But what does that shake out like? Do you feel like this season will be better than last season with what the parts they have at this point? I hate to knock one of my favorite players of all time, Jacob DeGrom, but there's already an early report in camp of Jacob DeGrom dealing with some type of an injury. Now, they're saying it's not it's not a big deal, but I have heard that story before. I've lived through it the last two years, and mm -hmm. I think that alone makes this Mets team a little bit better. The Mets got 34 starts last year from Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom. I would bet on them getting at least 50 from Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, if not more this year. And that alone is going to make this team a lot better. So with this roster, obviously, we've got some new additions, but there's some rookies, obviously, especially training camp. You get to see some guys that maybe are in the farm system you haven't seen before. Is there any names that we should look out for that you're kind of excited to see um, or see if they are able to make the big league roster this year? I think the biggest name that people are excited about is Francisco Alvarez because he's this you know catcher that – has the ability to hit like Mike Piazza if everything breaks right. So he gets a lot of the headlines. But the guy I'd really focus on this year is Brett Beatty. There's more of a positional need for him at third base and even left field. He is a guy that made it up to the big leagues last year. First at bat, he hits a home run. The bat is really polished. But when it comes to having to catch a big league staff at you know 21 years old for Alvarez, that's a tall task for Beatty. It's just, can you hit? I think there's a chance that he breaks camp, but if not, you're going to see Brett Beatty early, and you're going to see him get a lot of playing time this season. Very cool. Another um, person we can check in on is Kodai Senga. What are some reasonable expectations that you could see for him doing this year? Obviously, there's a lot of talk, but what can we possibly realistically see from him? It's so tough to gauge because you never really know what they're going to look like, but all signs are that Kodai Senga is going to translate. And I think one you know kind of name to look at is Tanaka's first season with the Yankees. He came over, pitched to a sub three ERA, had a lot of success. Senga's a little bit older. Uh, he's 29, or I think he actually might have just turned 30. But, you know, he has a, a pitch dubbed the Ghost Fork. We're all excited to see that Ooh. against big league hitters. It's got a nice name. It, it's perfect good. for New York and for, for the star power that he hopes to bring. Uh, and apparently he can actually hold his velocity up there in 96 miles per hour as well. So with those two pitches, I think he's going to be very good. And I think in some ways he's going to be an upgrade as number three for this Mets over, over Chris Bassett was last year because there's just a little more upside there. I think that's what they're looking for with Senga. The name alone on that has, has me intrigued, so that should be very interesting for sure. Um, 
obviously in the division, you're always trying to compete with the Braves. So at this point with your current roster, you know, if they have this roster when they face off against the Braves in, you know, September, October, how do they match up at this point? I think they match up pretty well. You know, I, I think the Braves are always going to be there. They've won this division five years running. I don't expect there to be great separation between these two teams by the end of the season, but I, I think the Mets did everything they could to be up to that level. And we have to just watch the baseball get played out at this point. I really do believe those two teams though are atop this division. I expect the Phillies to make the playoffs, but I think they'll continue to be a little bit behind. They did finish 14 games worse than those two teams last year. And while they made some big additions with Trey Turner, they're going to miss Bryce Harper to start the season. I think they don't have quite as much depth as the Mets and the Braves, but I do believe all three teams make the playoffs, and it's going to be a really exciting division to watch. Stay up to date all year on the New York Mets by following Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Mets on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, the impending bankruptcy of Diamond Sports Group, the company that owns Bally's 19 regional sports networks, will not impact fans' ability to watch their favorite teams play. Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred said on Wednesday that the sport would pick up streaming in a worst-case scenario. Diamond Sports Group is a subsidiary of Sinclair, announcing on Wednesday that it would skip February's $140 million interest-only payment and thus enter into the 30-day grace period that will probably lead to a bankruptcy filing. MLB has 14 teams that pull in significant revenue through regional sports contracts with Diamond Sports Group, which would be severely impacted. MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred said of the situation, I'm a contingency planner by nature. We are prepared no matter what happens with respect to Diamond to make sure that games are available to fans in their local markets. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast. Make that your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, who stands out in a crowded Western Conference in the NBA? At least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.